Welcome to Give and Take, where yours truly, Scott Jones, interviews artists, activists, authors, and a wide array of other thought leaders that help make our world the interesting place it is. My guest today is Melissa Shoshahi. She's an Iranian-American stand-up comedian, actress, and writer based in Los Angeles. Melissa's creativity and writing are showcased on Nickelodeon's Nick Mom channel. Her stand-up has been featured on the TV show Laughs on Fox. She is an NACA showcase artist performing at universities throughout the country. And she's got a great weekly podcast, which is called Mel Talk, which you can find in iTunes or wherever else you download your podcast. She'll also be seen in the upcoming indie flick, Lost in Austin. She is a really, really funny person and a person of insight and depth. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And the first voice you hear will be hers and hers alone. I get asked this question a lot, like, oh my God, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Seattle. They're like, no, 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 no. Where are you from originally? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you look different. Like, what are you? Oh, my God. What are you? I was like, I was born in Iran. Oh, my God, you poor thing. Oh, how did you escape? <laughs> they always want to hear, like, some crazy story. And I'm like, it was very hard. There was just so much hookah everywhere. <laughs> Techno music was playing. And then this door opens and this handsome man walks in with a sexy beard. And he's like, hey, what's up? I'm Ben Affleck. I'm going to get you out of here. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you, Scott? It, it's an honor. And I'm doing well. And the way that we connected is years ago... This is before we actually ever talked, but we just connected, you know, communication-wise a couple days ago. But I sent out a tweet that said, if they came out with Spanx for men, I would wear them. And I think I said, like, hashtag, I, my dignity's gone and who cares or something <laughs> like that. And you favored it or liked it or something, you know, or I don't, I don't know what, what it was. Twitter always changes that. But you actually, and so I was thrilled because I felt really funny because you are a very funny person and a stand-up comedian in Los Angeles, California. Thanks. I mean, it was a funny tweet. I think, I think, uh, why, why, why not? Men should wear Spanx if they want to. I think it's funny. I need all the help I can get. Well, that's what they're there for. They don't have man Spanx. They don't. Not that I, not that I know. You can always wear your wives. It really just tucks everything in. If you're trying to get into those, you know, reunion pants, you just put on those Spanx and they really help. Yeah, Spanx are really, I mean, I don't know why they don't have Spanx. Do you think also, like, how many guys, if it were socially acceptable, would wear makeup? Well, I mean, have you ever been into a Sephora? A lot of the guys there wear makeup. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, just like, I mean, the average guy, like, I feel like especially Oh, because, average you know, guy? Like, no, they won't wear makeup. They don't need it. I would wear makeup. You would? I'm vain. I'm vain. You would wear, are you wearing makeup right now? No, but that's because, you know. What are you trying not, to cover? Do you have blemishes? Well, I mean, I generally have good skin, but I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, you can always get better, right? I mean, you can always touch it up. Okay. I would say if you're worried about your skin, get into a good like skincare regimen. I do. Uh, I don't put soap on my face. I only use is it uh sulfate free product nox noxema or whatever the face noxema what is this 1990 no there's this no is it Neutri neutrogena it's, it's like my wife is a nurse practitioner and she was a nurse before in like critical care and uh -huh. this woman was like in her 90s and had amazing skin she's like what do you do and she's like never put soap on your face it's true and soap has sulfates yeah and so i don't do that uh you know in general i think you know but we didn't come here to talk. About oh, yeah. My, We're all talking about, my, about skincare about, and makeup. About, about, my, about my physical limitations. I know. Sorry. And what I would do to compensate for And them. I'm all like giving you answers. Well, Scott, what you can do is get a good skincare regimen. Like I work so, at Sephora. Okay. Do you go to you shop there, though? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I shop everywhere. I'm, I'm, really, right. I'm really big on skincare, though. Well, you know, it is your biggest organ. Is it? Yeah. Your skin? Skin is an organ and it's your biggest. Oh, snap. Look at you. You're all knowledgeable. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I learned that in, um, 
it was like I want to say it was nascent middle school, high school, like somewhere in there in the sciences, biology. So one of the I learned it there. Very so, cool. Hey, yeah, I feel like a real Renaissance man. So you are a woman and Persian American. Yes. So I am. do you do you feel like the era of Trump hashtag winning? <laughs> like the world is your oyster. I mean, no, the world is not my oyster because I can get deported tomorrow. So I don't know what that means. I mean, that was sort of my attempt at, you know. Oh, yeah. Humor. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like a a demographic. I mean, many demographics are are bad for this. I would think particularly this is everybody, according to Trump, is a band and a bad person. Like tomorrow he's going to fire another person. Like this is a ridiculous. I don't even know. Like, I know you're in Philly, so. I'm going to assume you're more liberal, yeah? Yeah, you know, they say that Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, it's like a political strategist, James Carville said this, that Pennsylvania is Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Alabama in between. And by that he meant it's a red state in the middle and a blue state on the edges. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's really how Pennsylvania is. And it often goes blue narrowly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I mean, it went to Trump, I think, this time. But, uh, you know, it's funny because I think it was at Seth Meyers on Saturday Night Live, they said... A woman actually got pulled over uh, driving drunk uh, somewhere somewhere in the Northeast, I think. And she said her name was Hillary Clinton. And they were like, and the cops knew. Oh, it was in Pennsylvania. It was in Pennsylvania. And they said the cops knew it really wasn't Hillary Clinton because she would never go to Pennsylvania. <laughs> ah. So she didn't spend enough time here. So our, I think our state did go. But yeah, I tend to be uh, blue state-ish, blue, blue in my politics. I see. Not my disposition. I generally have a sunny disposition, but blue in my politics. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah, I don't I've never been to Philly. All I know is the uh, Fresh Prince. <laughs> yeah, that West Philly. I used to live in that neighborhood. Ah, oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. Will Smith. Great. You know what's amazing about Will Smith? Hmm. He's a guy like just he and Justin Timberlake both. I would say Queen Latifah is like this. People that have a capacity to reinvent themselves mm. artistically like into like for instance actors and then also Queen Latifah as a producer and a talk show host, like that you know they both had very, they all had very distinct kind of personas, which they moved, you know, they kind of, and I think that's hard in public life, right? Like if you're J-Lo. A comic, exa- like J-Lo. J-Lo. Like is J-Lo. Like J-Lo, like, um, there's a lot now. I feel like today you have to really reinvent and be multi-talented. You can't just get through with one type of talent. Like if you'll notice a lot of these celebrities are trying to reinvent themselves by becoming executive producers and doing this and, and directing. And it's not, they don't just stick to acting anymore. No. Look at yeah. like Ben Affleck or just everybody, like even uh John Stewart, he went into filmmaking. Yeah. And made a great film. Yeah, he did. It was all right, but he did. Now as back to the political thing, is it, I mean, on one level, right. The current political climate seems great for a comic, but maybe it's not. I mean, because is I mean, certain people are certain politicians are easy to make fun of or easy to get material from. Is Trump easy or not easy? Here's the problem. I think Trump thinks he's a comedian as well as being a president. So if he he makes he he's do you know, do you see what he does? Like when he has these meetings, I feel like he's trying to make people laugh. But um Right now, it's 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 great for comedians, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter either because <laughs> our voices are still not being heard. Like, it, at the government is doing their own thing. They don't they don't care what comedians say. They don't care what news outlets say. They just care what they say. So I don't I don't really know how much how much a comedian can do except, you know, definitely speak about it and speak up about it. Um, I just know recently um, Jimmy Kimmel went on. Um, did you hear about what, what happened to his baby? Oh yeah. That was, yeah. And he, that was a heartfelt. Yeah. And plea. it was, I mean, it was heartfelt. And his, the message he was saying was that, you know, children should have health care. And then that got backfire from the government. They they were like, you know, blah, blah. They they said some rebuttal back to him. And then he went on the show and he's like, well, I'm sorry for saying that children need health care. Like, what an absurd thing to say. Yeah, you think and, that's a baseline level yeah. of compassion? And, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> and he's a comedian and he's using his, his platform as a, a way to get through to these 
politicians, you know, and some comedians go that route and some don't. Um, but that's, that's every comedian's personal choice. You know what I mean? So, so, so I, I feel like if you do have that platform and it's something that's close to your heart that you want to speak up about, I, I definitely think you should do it. Are you making political jokes these days? I have I have a lot of political jokes, but I I try to I've done a lot of shows this past year in front of Trump supporters, but I I don't mock them. I just say my opinion and try to get everybody to laugh and get on a on a nice like level. Do they laugh? Do they laugh? Did support? Did they laugh? And, and when you say Trump, do you know like is it like Orange County or is it places where there's just the demographics? Yeah, um, yeah. I performed in Temecula. That was like fifty percent Trump supporters. I performed in like Apple Valley. That was like eighty percent Trump supporters. They didn't want to hear political. This is what I noticed. They don't want to hear anything political. Um, but they'll be they they'll be nice about it. But they'll laugh so hard about other things I talk about if it's a relationship joke or if it's about my family. Um, but when it got to politics, they got a little sense sensey and they didn't want to talk. They don't want to hear about it. And that's what I'm noticing now. Even when I perform at like Laugh Factory in Hollywood or or comedy clubs out here, I think people are overhearing about politics because it's so saturated on every news channel that you turn on. Like if you go on CNN right now, nobody's even reporting on Syria. All they're doing is yeah. reporting on what Trump just did. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he, it's, when, it's, a, it's the Kardashian factor. He's got down. It is. And it's like, why do you go to a comedy? Why do you go to a comedy show? Because you want to escape your stupid life. You want to escape that TV. You want to escape. Right. So I think the last thing that people really want to hear right now is another Trump whatever yeah i think that's probably true you also think you ever wonder too like people some people that voted for trump it's like that person you slept with like it, it was a really dry relational season maybe there was alcohol involved you just don't want to be reminded that you did that <laughs> it's kind of like yeah I like mean, i know it happened but can we just pretend it didn't happen yeah and like it, it's yeah i think that is what it is i mean there are the trump supporters out there but if you ask why did you vote for trump they're still defending it <laughs> well because you know <laughs> i don't know what the reasons were but <laughs> people are still like uh, no matter how many mistakes he does they'll just defend they'll just defend their vote Wait, how did you become a comedian like at what point now, are your parents immigrated to this country when yeah were you I'm so, second generation. I would think, I mean, generally, I would think most first generation immigrants, when their kid says, I want to be a comedian, they're like, that's great. Huh. That's just what we came here for. No, they didn't even know what that meant. They're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? What does that even mean? They don't even know what that They thought it was a joke. They thought it was like, oh, she has a hobby. Oh, how cute. Now go back to school and get your doctorate, you know? <laughs> Did they think you were like the, like the, um, like a medieval jester. Oh, like, oh, hey, I'm, you know. I don't know what they thought. I don't even think they took anything serious. They had just different plans for me. They had a different dream for me. And 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 when I say dream, it means they don't care about what your dream is. They have a dream for you, and you better go by that dream. So, how did they? T when did you tell them? Like, hey, the uh, the first generation dream is not my dream, and I'm doing a different thing. Um. I kind of like said it when I went to move to to go to college. I was like, yeah, I'm going to study theater, but I'm also going to get a degree in something else. And I guess the whole time they were hoping it was a phase just as long as I stayed in school and had other things I was doing. Um, they didn't know, I guess, I guess they got really upset when they saw I wasn't getting like a career, like a career, like a corporate type of job they're like what is she still doing <laughs> where'd you go to school i went to cal lutheran in thousand okay Oaks. yeah um it was a you know it's a private university and they needed diversity because there's no persian lutherans out here i'm not lutheran <laughs> I, I i didn't think you were yeah you could be i mean i i mean yeah I know lutherans of all stripes and yeah they, they it was fun i had a blast um and they liked the school um just because it was like a clean campus and dry so you can't really be drinking and it was you know a, a religious university so they're like okay she's not gonna get too crazy 
people sent her to California. Um, and then I, and then after I graduated, I never moved back to Seattle and they're like, Oh snap. I think she really is going to pursue something in the arts. I think they just (laughs) gave, I think they just gave up and just hoped that like a miracle would happen and I'd become rich and take care of them. Are they religiously observant? No. So they came here, secular sort of people, secular-ish, or do they become non-observant here? Um, they never really were religious in Iran. Okay, so they, because you think you think of Iran, you think very religious, praying five days. No, there's only some people that do that, but most of my family, none of them really, except for like I would say my grandma. Any who still lives in Iran, she prays a lot. She goes, does all her all that. But growing up, neither one of my parents did. And so, have you have you just kind of been? Are you part of the nuns? The like nuns, not the, not the Sally Field flight. No, but that's the the new demographic of people who are not that don't check a box on religion. They just don't have a. Yeah, I a never nun. check. I don't even check. Um, here's the thing: I don't even check like ethnicity because the only thing, if you notice, they'll say Caucasian, white. Hispanic or non-Hispanic? I'm like, I'm not any of those. <laughs> what does that even mean? Who cares if I'm non-Hispanic or Hispanic? They don't have a box for Middle Eastern, so I just yeah. yeah. I don't, it's like why, I don't. Why do you need to care? It's like we're a melting pot on our own. Think about it. Everybody, we're all becoming this melting pot. We should get rid of that whole stupid box. But yeah, it's interesting. I remember in college, people like, well, yeah, I think in college there's people like, no, we're not a melting pot. We're like a tossed salad, like. Which is interesting because that seems like arbitrary, but it is a really different metaphor where like where if, if it depends how much you prize assimilation culturally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if because one metaphor is like, well, there's all these parts in the same bowl, but they're all the tomato doesn't become the egg or the crouton or the slightly browning lettuce. If you're, you know, on a fixed income or something, but like, yeah, uh, whereas melting, you know, whereas in the in the melting pot and in the, in the stew, everything kind of. You know, in the melting pot, everything kind of gets together. Yeah. Okay, yeah. A salad sounds good, too. But the thing is, um, you can't just put us in one box. I don't know. So when you, like, do you, okay, so as a Middle Eastern American, second generation, do you feel like asset, liability, and a woman, like, I mean, I remember Amy Schumer saying something on Howard Stern, like, like people are like, oh, or no, maybe she said in her stand-up special on HBO, she's like, people say, um, a sex comic. Because I talk about sex and other things. But if a guy just like, you know, whips his dick out on the stage, like, oh, that's edgy and provocative and interesting. I mean, like, are there kind of double standards, like, as a woman and as someone who comes from a Middle Eastern background? Like, you could see the assets there, but are there a lot? Like, because, okay, there's a wealth of material that um, you've got a, a unique window on. But also, is it, are there times you feel like kind of boxed in? At all, or, or in in life, past? or in my stand up and acting, like what 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 do you mean? Well, I was thinking in stand up and acting, but in life too. I mean, I you, you know, I think yes. I think earlier on, like five five years ago or so, it was more stereotyping, but nowadays it's shifted, and um, I think uh, as far as like acting opportunities, there's less terroristy roles and. Um, and, and more opportunities to just be a human being on camera who happens to be looking Middle Eastern, but your ethnicity won't come up. So I'm seeing a lot of that. So now in 24, you wouldn't just have to be like a terrorist wife. You could be the person manning the computer that's killing them. Yeah. Yeah. It could be either one. Yeah. Like if you watch Blacklist, there's a couple Middle Eastern actors on there. Nobody really, you know. They're just yeah, it's true. They're yeah. just very smart, educated people that are on the show, um, and they have an interesting little love. Like the, it's one of those things where the chemistry is developing. And yeah, it's weird. It's, it's awkward though. There, if you look on any show right now, there's so much diversity. One of my favorite shows is Crazy Ex Girlfriend on the CW, um, and you know Rachel Bloom, who is amazing talent. She created it and put the show together. And her love interest is Filipino. The guy she likes is Italian. This one girl is Hispanic. Like that's life, you know. So there's more and more shows that are are just just casting more diversity. It doesn't necessarily have to fit a stereotype of of you know what they're what they represent. They're just normal human beings. Um, 
So I think I like this shift. I like that. And like in my stand up, you know, yeah, I have a lot of Persian jokes, but half my stuff, I don't need to go into saying what it's like being Persian or me being Persian. That doesn't define my stand up. You know, I can talk about when I went to the grocery store and some stupid thing happened, you know, has nothing to do with my culture. It's just human. It's human connection and talking about being human. That's all that matters. It's funny. I heard Howard Stern interviewed Jerry Seinfeld and he said, are cab jokes funny to people in Kansas? Probably. Yeah, he's like, no. He said, well, he actually said, yeah. I mean, he's like, funny, it's funny. And he's like, funny, it's you funny, know, yeah. Richard Pryor, I never did any of the drugs or the experience he did or grew up. But funny is funny. And so on some level, right, it's... Funny like, is funny. Yeah, you don't have to go into... I think it's great to be, okay, yeah, so it's Melissa. She's also Persian. That's awesome. But it's like, I want to make everybody laugh. And if I'm going to go do a show in the middle of America, I want them to connect to me just as much as, as if I do a show in Dubai. Have you ever done a show in Dubai? No. <laughs> I would think the rider you could put forth in Dubai would be... The what? It's very... The rider, you know, when you say what you want, like, I want a hundred roses or like, you know, or I want only... I want all the brown M&Ms taken out or... Yeah, right. I don't know. know. You don't get big riders now. You don't get to do that. Like, no. I'm not that cool. You seem very cool. Ah, stop it! You might you you might not be uh, able to write a big rider, but your coolness is not at all. Oh, thank you, Scott. On that reality, well, yeah, exactly. If I think you're cool, because look at me, Mister Cool. But I, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, so as a comic, people do come. Yeah, for they're looking for an authentic moment of human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any tips for people to be connoisseurs? I mean, at a comedy show like i mean are there you know i I, my friends are you know waiters or bartenders you know right here's how to be or my i think my wife here's how to be a good patient how are you a good patron in a comedy club um definitely by not trying to become the center of attention of the show do you know what i mean like there's always a couple that just want to just have the comedian talk about them and they'll start talking back and they'll be like, oh, I've done that. And it's like, we didn't ask you. Just just sit there and be just proper. You know what I mean? They want to be part of the show. And that's not a good patron. What do you um, do when they do that? I just say, um, sir, I have the mic. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> like, we, great. I'm so, but like, stop addressing them too. Like, I'll say it once. And if they continue, then I've seen this done. I, com- some comedians don't tolerate it. They just ask the security to to talk to them or escort them out because they're trying to be part of the show. Um, but if I'm getting heckled or something, I, you, I don't try to address the person because I don't want to give them the attention. Some comics do. Everybody's different. Um, but, uh, to be a good patron, just don't get overly drunk and don't be loud and try to make it about you. Have your phone off. Oh, you won't even imagine how many times there's, there'd be, there'd be people sitting front row, like front row. And this is a huge room. And they'll be on their phone. And I'm like, why are you on your phone and your front row? Like, don't yeah, do go that. go to the back row. Yeah, that's it's douchey. Or talk. Or if there's, like, people talking. It's like, why? This is not a bar. This is a show. You don't go see Hamilton and sit in front row and talk and have your phone on. You know? It's an art. You are paying to come see these comedians. Like, have respect for the craft of um, comedy. So don't be a douchebag. Don't basically. be a douchebag. There's so many douchebags. Um, yeah. The, just have proper manners. It just just like when you're going to go out to see a regular show. This is not, this is not, I don't know. It's not a strip club. It's not a bar. It's it's a comedy club. People just really want to make it about them. Do, the you think strippers, do you think strippers are like, don't be part of the show. If you're sitting right in the front row, don't have your phone out, okay? I've got body have glitter on here, okay? Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe it is the same for the strip club. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good point. I guess you, you know what's tr- amazing to me when they have like, you drive by a strip club and it's like, uh, happy hour, you know, free chicken wings. And I'm like, really? You would sit there and <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. You're like, they, I, I just don't. Yeah, tell your wife, I had to go to the strip club. They had a good happy hour, babe. Like, I like vanilla ice cream and yeah. I like filet mignon. Together, maybe not the best dish. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's just a very interesting unless thing. Unless you've been smoking, that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Mark Twain says that in heaven, or said, I mean, he said it because he doesn't say anything now, unless, well, maybe in the afterlife he does, but uh, he said that 
in heaven, there will be laughter, but no humor because humor is always built on life's incongruencies. Like basically the things that don't work out or are, you know, don't meet our expectations. Like there's no joke. Like, Hey, here's this great joke. I just wrote it. This guy, great guy meets this great girl. They meet, they, they meet, they, you know, they marry and they live happily ever after. Oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, there are, things are always, so as a comedian, are you funnier when life is going well or when it's not going well? That's a really good question. Um, I think a little bit of both. Um, definitely when life isn't going well, um, like if you're down or something's going like something bad, I everybody's different though. If I'm down or not having a good day, if I do get on stage, that actually is kind of therapeutic and it makes me feel better because I'm making other people feel better. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then if I'm living a happy life, um, it may inspire me to to try something else on stage and just be more open and have fun. So there's really no wrong way. There's no answer to that because I think when you have a good life or a bad life, you can take your craft and still hone it and have fun with it. But it, I think it's important to 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 have a life outside of just doing stand-up. So like I'll go do go to Vegas with my friends that are not comedians or I'll go with my boyfriend somewhere, or go to the Hollywood Bowl, like do things outside of comedy because I think those are great things that you can talk about on stage, you know. What is the Hollywood Bowl? It's just a nice venue outside in right in Hollywood where people um they have concerts and stuff like that. Oh, I was thinking like you're like I was picturing you and your boyfriend are matching bowling outfits. Like, no. Hello. It's like you're bowling with the stars. No, 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 no. Yeah. What does so, your boyfriend do? What does he do? He is a bar manager at a restaurant in uh, in L.A. So he's so in the restaurant. Kinda, so, yeah. so you're both like, that's like, I feel like two special like groups of people. Mm-hmm. Like that maybe they're two privileged people that get to date. Like it's most people don't get to date the entertainer. Or the bartender, barman. It's like these sort of behind the other side of the thing. But and so you found each other. Oh, that's a really good point. That's so interesting. You put it that way. We're two, two, two different people behind something. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it like that. Um, yeah. I, it's it's yeah. It's it works out. I mean, I like that he doesn't do stand up. He he has like a fresh set of ears and eyes when I talk about something. And what's really cool about him is that he he's not on any type of social media. Like, like you know how like I was worried about how to connect to this microphone and record? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even have a Facebook. He doesn't even own his own laptop. So, Dude, are, you, are, you, are you thinking he's like maybe in some kind of weird subversive movement or CIA or something? He's, I mean, that's a little... That's no, so off the grid. He j- he's so off the grid and it's really refreshing talking to him because he's just there, just right there listening. And he just has, he's in that, he's almost in that world before all the craziness happened. And I like that. The only thing is, yeah, he has his phone and he checks his like sports, but that's the only thing he uses his phone for to call like people and, he checks and checks his, his- his oh, sports. His sports. That's it. <laughs> his his sports. That's all he. That's all he does. But yeah, there's something cool about just the simplicity of what we used to be like. Is like, he funny? He's very funny. Super funny. But the type of funny where if you say, "Can you repeat that again?" Just like you just said, he won't be able to do it. I, is it? I you know. I think for women, I, my wife when she was single before her life, you know, came great and met me, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, it, you know, she had these dates. A lot of these dates didn't go well. And one of her friends told I me, mean, always incredibly intelligent and she's very funny. And her friend, a male friend of hers, a very successful guy said, you're just, guys don't like smart. Guys don't like that. You're too intimidating. So she's like, what the hell do you That's mean? That's so not true develop- at all. Guys that are insecure don't like smart women. Exactly. Exactly. I think that that's, so she developed this kind of like shtick personality. She's like, well, oh, so... Basically, you want me to be, she called her Heather. Like, oh my God, how do you do that? Like, it's like vocal fry kind of stuff. See, your boyfriend would never do this. What? Take a photo? Like, <laughs> are you taking a photo? Yeah. You just took a photo? I thought you were checking your Facebook. No, I just took a photo of oh. the screen. 
Because and, I mean, I think I, I think that could be like for yeah, for a lot of guys. I think for insecure guys, but everybody's insecure. I mean, you know, like I would think comic could be you know a, a thing that would be. As a woman, I could, I, I could imagine, because we live in a sexist, weird culture full of insecure guys, it could be a hurdle in some social situations. It shouldn't be. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be, but I, um, there's a lot of insecure people out. There's a lot of insecure men nowadays, I've I've noticed. Just not a lot of these metropolis cities, because women women are becoming, women are successful. Women yeah, you're making funny. 70 cents to the dollar. The oppression gap is only, we're only making 30 cents more. Oh my God, the world might end. But in some cases, we're making more than men, right. you know? And yeah. I think the shift of the um, the relationship of what women were like 100 years ago to now, it's so different that a lot of men some men are just a little bit insecure with a woman that has it all that's independent that is smart some men don't know how to handle that i, I my wife makes so much more money than i do and she's a pen, a pen grad I, i'm a cat man i love it yeah but that but that's 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 amazing but a lot of guys wouldn't be able to like for example like i don't feel like a lot of middle eastern men within my culture would be okay especially I don't even think a Middle Eastern man would want to marry me because I do stand up. Like, that's not socially acceptable. Do you know what I mean? I'm at that age. My parents really want me to get married, but they want me to marry within the culture like a Middle Eastern guy. But I'm so Americanized. I can't see myself with a guy like fresh off the boat from Iran. You know, they're like very jealous types. And for sure, we wouldn't understand each other's lingo. You know, I'd be like, hey, babe, I'm going to go run errands. And you'd be like, who the hell is Eden? No. <laughs> I'm like, no, babe, you go to work, you do you, and I do me. What you mean you do yourself, you lesbian? No. Are you going to cook for me? Oh, my God. That's so cute. You think I cook? <laughs> oh, no. I got you a green card, okay? Best meal ever. <laughs> now you go to work, bring home that bacon. <laughs> bacon, I don't need pork. Who are you, Satan? Yeah, I mean, did your parents want you to marry a Middle Eastern guy? I mean, it's... they did, but then after they saw I wasn't getting married, they they did, they were like, just marry anybody, just get married. Yeah. You have this hilarious bit you did. It's on your website where I was like, tell you about why you're sick. Mm. Can I? Can you do? Can you? Do, I feel weird. I'm like asking. Can you? Like, I mean, I'm not like, gonna say the bit, but pretty much like every time I'm sick, like my mom has reasons why I'm sick, which a lot of parents do. They just want to make sure their kid is okay, but they also want to. They also think they're smarter than you, and they're like all of a sudden a doctor, you know. So like every time I'm sick or something, my mom comes up with stupid reasons. But if things don't go her way, she throws in the guilt trip. She's like, oh, you're going to go out with your friends instead of staying at home watching Netflix and chill with me? <laughs> okay, go. Just know one day I'll be dead. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. She does this thing. Every time I'm sick, she comes up with a reason why I'm sick. My mom does this to me. I'll just have a cough. I'll be like, oh, I tell you why you're sick right now. You went to the gym, no jacket on. That's one. You walk barefoot in kitchen. That's two. Uh-huh. You eat crap McDonald's. I don't know what the hell you eat. You don't listen to your mother. That's why you're sick. I'm like, mom, it's flu season. Everybody's sick. She's like, oh, everybody's sick? Every huh? How come I'm not sick? You know why I'm not sick? Because I don't talk back to my mother. Yeah, you don't catch cold. You catch disrespect from your American friends. You know what you do when you talk back to me? You know what you sound like? Huh? You sound lesbian. Like, mom, what's wrong with being lesbian? Nothing. At least lesbian has partner. Go have fun with your life. Of course not. Lesbians have partners. Go live your life the way you want. Yeah, yeah. You don't have anything. Lesbians have way more. They, lesbians have way more than you do. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just the, the, my culture is nothing's really good enough for parents. Like, prime example, like, I have a friend who's a pharmacist, and then her dad was like, after she got her pharmacy degree, she's a doctor, 
her dad was like, you know, you should go study dentistry. Like you should become a dentist. And it's like, I'm what, what you can't just become a dentist. Like I, I just became a pharmacist after eight years, you know, like nothing is good enough. And drugs is, you're working with drugs. I mean, that seems so much better than tea. Although one of my best friends is a dentist. I love no, that. I would rather work with drugs. Are you kidding me? You don't want to be a dentist. I love dentistry. You do? My buddy's, my buddy's really good at it. And like he lets me, he's like, he, he, yeah, he's very good at it. He's oh, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, me I respect the field. I go to the dentist way more than I should. I go like every three months. That's so great. You know, I made a list where I like, before we got, in, before we got engaged, married, or anything like I made this my wife and I got in this big fight and I made this list with a friend. I was sitting there like, and I was doing the pro con list. I was so frustrated. And I had a long list of pros and I had one con does not floss regularly. Oh, you don't like uh, that. Well, it causes heart disease. Cause you Wait, floss. Floss causes heart disease and everything. If you don't floss. I mean, she didn't floss regularly. That was her oh, biggest dude, uh, You want to hear something worse? My boyfriend I don't remember the last time he flossed. Oh, uh, you need to change or, that. No, he won't listen. Or the last time he went to the dentist. Me and his sister gave him a dental intervention. Me and his yes, sister. Yes. Gave him That's a love. dental intervention and he still didn't care. And he like he's like Is he going to listen to this, you think? No, he's not going to listen to it. How is he going to find it? He doesn't have a freaking internet. You should play this. If you ever play this room, what's his name? Dara. Dara. You need to get to the, these people love you. Your yeah. teeth are connected. Heart disease is caused by things like this. The plaque buildup. If you love her, you live for her. Go I mean, dude, it's so bad. He 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 um he just won't go. Yeah, I I go every three months, and he he refuses to go. I mean, he'll brush his teeth, but he'll never fro- floss or anything. Brushing your teeth, you need you need the floss. You need the listerine. I do a little whitening through peroxide and things like that. But I mean, that's you know. Part of that's cosmetic, but it's also, you know, it's healthy. I know. So you, so you act and you're a comedian. Yeah. So I've heard it said that comedians so want to be themselves. Actors want to be somebody else. Yes, but um, with acting, um, I always, let's say, for example, the character is supposed to be a bitchy girl, right? You don't play a bitch. You play yourself in that situation. As a bitch. Or you put yourself in that position, but yeah. you bring a little bit of yourself to it. Do you know what I you mean? You can't be a generic bitch. You've got you to be can't, specific You can never bitch. play just the generic because that's boring. So every everything I do, I bring myself into it in that given circumstance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but... I, I, I do characters on stage, you know, uh, and if if it's a different character that they want me to act, I, I do that. I have a lot of fun with it, but I bring myself into it as well to make it me that you see. If you had to choose, like, you know, there's like the um, success entertainment genie shows up and it's like you get to choose successful actress or successful stand up comedian. What would you what, what would you choose? You know what? I don't think, I don't think, I I don't like these types of questions because the world is different now. Like you can do, you can be a successful comedian for 20 years of your life. And then the next 20 years, you can be the successful actor that wins an Oscar. I think you could do it all. Just like you reject the, you reject the premise of the question. Yeah, I do. I like that. I reject it because I think I can do both. Amy Schumer is doing both. Um, Aziz Ansari is doing both. Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson, he actually started as a stand-up comedian. Did you know that? I didn't. And everybody thinks of him as this, you know, really great funny actor, but he he um he he was a stand-up and still does stand-up. Um Rob Schneider. Um Rob Schneider, Adam Sandler, and um gosh, who else? They just did a stand-up tour together. Mm. And they're all they're all successful in their own ways. Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow doesn't sell any tickets in Anaheim, though. I'll tell you that. What? He was just on, like, Michael Ian Black's podcast. He was saying that, like... I think it's Michael Ian Black, right? Um, He was saying that, like, basically... uh, That he... He he just... like He's like, I do like doing stand-up still, but... And I think he was, like... 
on tour with Pete Holmes, and Pete Holmes was the opener, and like, why? And Mike was like, Pete's kind of the better stand-up at this point. He's like, yeah, I know. And Anaheim, you know, I don't know, not booking seats. (laughs) Oh my God, I love him. But what I love is that he he, his passion was always stand-up, and then he went into writing, and then filmmaking and stuff, and then after he he built such an amazing, successful career doing that, he went back to his stand-up. Like, I, I saw him a few times just grinding away at the comedy store at the improv and, and, and performing. And I just, I just find that so respectful. Like you're this millionaire and you're doing it because of the love of it. So I think we can do them all. So that's my answer. His, (laughs) his mom was actually like, I don't know, like a hostess at a comedy club. And he was saying, I don't know, maybe, I don't know why she did that, but, and he's saying, I don't know, maybe sometimes I wonder if she did it. It's a shit job. You know, I, I think this parents got divorced or something. And maybe she was doing it because she knew I liked comedy. I don't know. It's very interesting that he's kind of, but that's how he was hanging out in comedy clubs all the time. Very interesting yeah, guy. He is very interesting. So if you're in LA, is it, I mean, I think, is it obviously it, 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 I mean, I read the story about Brad Pitt, like driving out to LA and like, and then he got a, a, like acting work, extra work. And that's it. You know, it's, and, but he would have never gotten that extra work that led to acting work. Had he not been in the proximity, right? Like he's, you know, LA, New York. Is it, so opportunity is there, but also is it like, is there like a a depressing factor with the march? Like the market's saturated in some level. Everybody's doing. Yeah, there is a depressing factor. Comedic stuff. Like, oh, you too. Like, is it? Um, Yes, absolutely. But don't you think it's a depressing factor with anything that we do? Like, let's say I want to, like, I want to open up my own church, right? Yeah. Because you're a pastor. Like, let's say I want to do this. Isn't there like a million other churches too that they, people can go to? Or yeah. like, um, if I want to open up a hair salon, isn't yeah, there like a million true. hair salons? A million. The, the yeah. thing is the world is so, the competition is tough in every field because of the internet. Right. So like if somebody posts like for a job opening, hey, we need an accountant at this firm, whatever, you know, it right away, 200 minimum, 200 accountants apply for that position. So like if we audition for something, it's the same numbers. It's like 300 people audition for one role Hmm. because of the Internet. It's just everything saturated. I have a friend who's a pastor in Birmingham, Alabama. It's literally the most he lives in the most churched zip code in in the country i mean there are more church like it's just there's more churches and more people in them than anywhere he's like i still get startup things oh look new uh new life mega church you know new life springs of god our youth pastor shoots sparks out of his ass and we have a theme park on the first sunday you know like if people are still like because they're just like hey Come, you know, it's just trying to move. It's like when Starbucks, yeah, kind of sees a nice mom and pops thing and just builds and tries to take and the they mom and build. Pop. And then another thing that's making it even harder is all these Groupons. Like my mom is a waxing salon, and like she'll be really busy, but then like all these different Groupons come out in Seattle with all these different waxing salons. Hey, we we only charge five dollars. Everybody's gonna go there, you know. So it's just like be back before internet and you know groupons like you go to your person (laughs) yeah so i just think everything is so saturated this world is crazy we just have to find ways to keep our zen we need the zombie apocalypse well isn't that trump what huh (laughs) he is so fantastic he's amazing Um, amazing and fantastic Uh, yeah i mean it's interesting because you're right the more it's weird because the more connected we are, the more we feel alone. You watch a show like The Walking Dead or any post-apocalyptic show, right? The first thing you notice is you go back to tribalism, mm-hmm. right? Like you go, like we go from a network world to you don't, you only know what's going on in a couple mile radius, but then the relationships deepen, yeah, because because you we have relationship by choice. I mean, you can you know, and you look at Facebook and who. You know, you have Facebook friends you even know, and yet they have some connection to you, and most of them don't know each other. And it's a strange, yeah, it's a disconnected world yeah, that we live in. It really is. So, yeah, as a comedian, right? Like, how do you know when you've made it? Is there, a, if there's a scorecard in your head, and what is making it? You know, I don't know. I just feel like let's say, let's say my goal is okay. I want to have my own half hour Comedy Central special. Okay, so let's say that's my goal. And then I get that. 
then you have to create another goal. Okay, now I That's want true. my own TV yeah. show. And then you get that and then it gets canceled. Now what? Um, I want my own radio show. And then you get that and then and then what? It's just like it's always going to be this continuous journey that we're all going to be trying to achieve. So I try not like I, I'll try to make like goal goals like a five-year plan or a or even a six-month plan and then just take it day by day because I don't know where I'm ultimately going to end up because life life isn't planned like that. Yeah. And those so goals six, can become oppressive, right? I mean, yeah. So I always, I always say, don't, I, I don't like to use the word making it. And I just write down my goals for the month or for the year and then try to f- fill those in. So every year I'm re-, re adding new things. And that to me, continuing to do those, even if I'm trying, would be probably making it. But um, do I have a, f- the ultimate making it, making it would be, I don't know, a beautiful house, like money could probably be making it. If I'm making a lot of money and I'm successful in that financially, like completely financially successful. Yeah, I mean, that is interesting, though, right? Because on one level, like, at what point can you say you're a comic? Like, because there's a lot of people at open mic nights and are there are, and they're if you're getting paid not, to do comedy or a comedian. All right. And not so not you, one gig a year. I'm talking like if you can pay your rent, if you can get if you're making money. You know, if you're a regular at a comedy club, if you're working, if you're on the road, then yeah, you're a comedian. If you're doing open mics, you're in a, you're, you're not there yet, but that's, everybody starts somewhere, you know, like the open mic is, is your little, what was it? Jerry Seinfeld said something like none of us are really comedians until it's like 10 years into it. Freaking Louis CK was doing stand up for like 20 years until he got famous. It's one of those fields where you can't be successful right away. You just can't. Yeah, I think everything is a 10,000 hours rule, right? I mean, if you're going to be really good. And I mean, I'm not like there's I have so much growth. I've only been doing it seven years, you know, so it's like I have a long ways to go. Who knows where I'll end up in the next four years, three years. What's the goal right now? Like, Is there a goal that is on the horizon? Right now, um, I'm just trying to get more television credits and hopefully, um, that's the thing. Like you can't really headline too much if you don't have a big, big fan base. So that's where I'm trying to, that's, that's where I'm at right now. It's a little bit harder to, to, to get headlining gigs when you're, when you don't have too much television credit or aren't your fan base isn't like over a hundred thousand. So what, like, what's the last television credit? Like, what's it? Tell me what a television credit is. Like, how do I? Like, like, I don't know. You're a series regular on a TV show or you have your own Comedy Central special or, you know, something like that. Gotcha. And then once you get some television credits, you're. Yeah. If you're no. You can start flying to, you can, you can fly to Omaha. Yeah. You're, yeah. Omaha or wherever. Yeah. And you can, you know, be working as a, as a headliner and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not on any TV show right now. So how are you going to, how are people listening to this podcast? Why would they come and see me? They're like, we don't know her. Right. You should totally come and see her. Go on her website. It's yeah. Amazing. Go on my what, Mel comedy. You're hila- yeah. You're hilarious. Yeah. But the thing is like, people need to know about you. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, why, why would I go to Omaha? Yeah. I mean, well, the stakes. I'm very big in Yemen. I'm huge in Yemen. I'm huge in Yemen. Huge. It's an underrated crown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kazakhstan uh, people love me. I kid Yemen. I kid Yemen. Mm-hmm. So who is the person that you think is the person to watch in comedy right now? And who is the person that like, look, it's overplayed. It's out before it's in. Like, it's kind of. Who should people watch? Like famous wise? Or just uh, anybody. Like who's who to pay attention to? Who's the person that you look at and say, yeah. That person's got it. That, that person's interesting. They're Man, killing it. There's so many, especially here in LA. Everybody's so talented. Um, I, I can't even think. There's so many people. Uh, but like my favorites, I can tell you my favorites in in that are hilarious in my mind. Um, I I love um, Trevor Noah from the Daily oh, yeah. Show. He's one of my favorites. I just love all the impressions he does on stage. Um, yeah, I love him. And I always love, um, Whitney Cummings. 
sense of humor. Yeah, I love all her her relationship jokes are just always dead on, and her intense face. She's just she's just funny. She cracks me up. She does these phony phone calls in the Howard Stern show sometimes. Does she? Yeah, they're just amazing. (laughs) Yeah, she's amazing. Um, There's just so many I can't even name, but yeah. I, I like all different types of comics, by the way. Like, not just one certain style. I like all all different types of comedy. And what do you think is, uh, like, in, in in public life, like, you know, we talked earlier about, like, how people come to comedy shows to escape, and yet comics are, you know, early on, philosophers, you know, people, there was comedic material in Socrates, right? I mean, like, in some ways, to John Stewart, Trevor Noah, people, you know, like, Samantha B. there's there's commentary on public life and often critique and things like that what do you think are are things that you're seeing your colleagues work on that are leading to insights about public life like are there jokes are there bits are there things people they're saying yeah you know what there's something to pay attention to here like as far as social commentary that i see it you know i'm in la it's diverse i see a lot of communities and i see some threads like are there threads Mm -hmm. from people's stand-up that offer kind of a running commentary on public life that you see? I don't know. That's kind of like very specific. I don't see anything that I can, that pops out of my mind. Um, Just because there's, yeah, I don't see a common thread between, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. It's it's probably a big question. Yeah. 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 Um, Like, is there something that a lot of comics talk about? I don't know. They talk about a lot of the guys out here talk, love to talk about their dick. Love to talk about weed. A lot of weed smokers. Uh, dicks and weed. Dicks, dicks and weed. Weed. Well, I mean, weed, they're both big factors in our culture. And then, oh my God, dating is so hard. Oh my God, I, I can't find a date. Oh my God, LA dating. There's always a stereotypical stuff that people talk about. Does vocal fry annoy you? Who? Vocal fry. Like I- that. Oh, like that. People call it vocal fry. Like we were like, I just don't know. Uh, like that kind of, that's vocal fry, what you just did. Like, oh. I don't know. Dating's so hard. Uh. Yeah, everything is so hard. It's like, yeah, life is hard. Get over it. Yeah, it's annoying. But, Last question. Okay. When, so you're starting out, right? And you say something that you think is funny and no one laughs. Mm-hmm. What is that like? <sighs> and what do you do? Like, I mean, um, how do you... How do you deal with it? It's like when I try to impress my parents and they're not impressed. So it's just a feeling that I'm very used to. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. You just have to see why they didn't laugh and 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 reevaluate your life and rewrite the joke or drop that joke. The end. You're like you have the perfect family system for the constitution of a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to people not being impressed by anything I do, so it works fine. Um, yeah, so if a joke doesn't work, I go, okay, well, why didn't it work? Maybe I should rewrite that joke or maybe I should drop that joke or figure out if it was the right audience or maybe sometimes I'll say something and it works with one crowd, but it doesn't work with another. So it could be the type of demographic. They don't get that joke. They don't understand it. Like I can't tell a joke about my, like something very specific about my culture in the middle of America. But if I went to an all Middle Eastern show, they would laugh their ass off. Do you, could you do all Middle Eastern shows? I mean, I have, yeah, I, I, I have, um, done a few tours that were all Middle Eastern. You have a video on your website. It's really funny where you and a a girlfriend or fellow comic, I'm not sure what it's like. You do all these people like this is the intimidated Middle Eastern man. This is the comedy. Yeah. 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 It's great. Your fan reactions are amazing. And it's true. We get like, when I do Middle Eastern shows, they're unlike anything else. Cause they're like, they don't know how to approach a female comedian because it's like, oh, she does stand up. Should we feel sorry for her or should we like go take a photo with her? We don't know. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. But um, yeah, if, if a joke doesn't like wherever you perform, you really have to cater to that demographic, you know? So if I'm going to go do a performance at your church, I'm not going to do something X-rated dirty, you know, that's what we do on Sunday morning. Yeah, I know, right? It's a different kind of place. Yeah, yeah. So, so it just it and 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 I think that that 
that's if you're a comedian, then you have different types of sets. You have, you have a you ha- you can cater to all different. Like if I'm going to do a college, it's mostly clean. If I'm going to go do a corporate event, it's going to be clean. Actually, most of my stuff is clean because I work more. Plus, I'm not really a dirty person. I don't have a dirty personality. Some comics do, which is great. Good for them. That's their voice. But for me, I love doing impressions and I love... Just, What's your best impression? My best impression... Um, I can do a good Kim Kardashian impression. I can do like my mom or my dad, my grandpa, family impressions. I can do like, oh my God, like a stupid girl impression, like black guys. Just different types of people. That's a wide range. Kardashian, your family, yeah. stupid girl, and I black know, guys. I know, I know. I, I wish I could be more specific. <laughs> if I get more think- if I get more specific characters, then hopefully a Saturday night live will come knocking. <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock, Church knock, lady. Knock, Melissa's door. Yeah, exactly. Do you think so do you think part of the art form how much of it is knowing the audience and how much of it is knowing yourself like in the sense of can can you i mean most good artists right that some of it is paying attention to your own inner monologue so that things the only way you touch other people on the inside is know yourself inside right like so is that i mean how do you how do you do the kind of internal excavation that leads to the ability to connect with other people um, I think you have a, to have a, you have to be confident and know your point of view and, um, know what you're talking about and believe in it. Cause if you don't believe in yourself and if you're not confident with yourself on stage, I feel like the crowd will know, you know, you have to be honest and, and I think through confidence and honesty, you can connect with people. Hmm. Like if I get on stage all timid and like, I don't know. I guess it's like, I don't know, like I hate it when my dad, but who knows? Like, you know, you, you, the audience is going to be like, what, what, what am, I, am I, am I this person's therapist? Do I have to try to figure out what they're trying to say? So I feel like you have to be confident and, and have a point of view. And really, if you're going to say an opinion about something, stick to it. I think. Do you, see the, do you see the opposite though, where people like project this like kind of confidence and, and you're sitting there thinking that person doesn't know themselves? Like it's projection. Like it's actually not. Oh yeah. Faking it till you make it. Yeah. yeah. There's that too. I guess I don't have a good answer. It depends by a person. I just think if you do want to do stand up and you're trying to connect, be true to yourself, be honest, have your point of view. And then it's almost like speech and debate. So you have like, you have your topic. Like if you're going to say, I think chocolate is the worst dessert ever. That's my opinion, right? Now defend it. Why? Right. It's dairy. Dairy. I fart. Uh, This. It's not gluten-free. Like, I live in LA. Like, how am I going to ever get a... Like, just debate it. So Human beings are the only mammals that drink milk as an adult and milk of another species. Yeah. So, like, if I have an opinion on stage or if you have an opinion, like, we'll back it up. Well, Why? And then, but that's just one way. Everybody has different ways to do stand up. But the thing is, like, I, all I'm saying is go through with what you're saying. Don't back out of it. Yeah. You, 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 if you can't get out of it, get into it. Yeah. It's just TSA. I don't, and by the way, anybody listening, I don't know. What, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. I had I two, I had like like two cups of coffee. Cause, like, you know how people listen and they'll be like, that's wrong, Melissa. Like, who the hell are you? I'm like, I don't know anything. <laughs> this is just from my personal experience. I feel like if I go on stage and I want to try and connect, I I have to be confident and I have to really, really be like, well, why am I on stage? What is my point of view? What am I trying to say? And 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 really try to connect that way. Melissa, you said it all. Okay, really. thank you. Well, not at all, but will you come back and do the podcast again? I mean, I don't know if anybody wants to listen to me. But uh, they, they will. If you guys do, like, check me out on Twitter, Mel Shashahi. Instagram Mel Show Shahi website Mel Comedy. I wish I got Mel Comedy, but I think it was taken. I wish all across the board in my social media was Mel Comedy, but it's not because life doesn't work that way, does it now, Scott? Somebody gave me a Gmail invite years ago, and I could have got Scott Jones at Gmail. I was like, that's never going to take. I'll stick with my Hotmail account. Oh thank you. Yeah, missed opportunity, but thank you so much. 
Thank you. Now, Melissa, and uh, yeah, we uh, I will have you back on, and, and, and thank you. And I wish you the best, and I hope I get to see you perform live and in person. And everybody should go to your website because you're hilarious. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you. Don't do drugs. And if you do, be safe about it. Yeah, says Pastor Scott. <laughs> Safety first. Thanks for listening to Give and Take. If you liked what you heard, please do a couple things for me. They are so helpful if you do them. Share this interview on social media or via email or tag someone in a tweet or something and say, hey, this is great. Check it out. Spread the love and goodness if you found it here. Also, if you could go, please, 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 it takes like 60 seconds. Go to iTunes and write a review and give a, give a rating to the podcast. It really, really helps, especially as things are getting off the ground. And please do go check out Melissa's work. Her podcast is Mel Talk. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. And you can find lots of her stuff on her website, melcomedy.com. And if you are anywhere near where she's performing, do yourself a favor and go see her show. You will laugh, I promise you. Thanks so much again for listening. And until next time, fare thee well.